At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where make sure to base your turkey this year with a solid round of draft sauce, because we've got some one-of-a-kind Thanksgiving draft content coming your way soon. This year, the Lakers are actually thankful that they aren't in Thanksgiving mode, but as the 2019-20 NBA champions, many of us have probably lost sight of the fact that the Lakers own their very first, their very own first-round draft pick at number 28. And now it's time to do a little draft cram session. So if you appreciate the work we're doing in haste to keep you guys informed, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. And also please rate and interview us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. That goes a long way in helping us continue to produce that content. But during this time of the year, especially with this particular topic with the NBA draft, we very much can't keep you guys informed alone. So we've called upon the assistance and expertise of analysts and scouts who have been digging into this pandemic-ridden draft class for probably far longer than they had hoped. But nonetheless, in that vein, today we are glad to have on NBA scout Derek Murray of Babcock Hoops. Derek, thank you for hopping on with us today and talking some end of the first round into second round draft picks for 2020. Before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Babcock Hoops as well? For sure, Jonathan, I appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, always excited to talk draft, and it's crazy yeah. two weeks away. It feels like we've been waiting on this one forever. So we finally have a day. We've kind of got things ramping up. Some guys are shutting their workouts and interviews down, uh, really coming to a close here. So um, ready to move on to another class, honestly. So we, these guys are just so overanalyzed at this point. Uh, it'll, it'll be nice to, to finally see where they land. But, again, I, I'm the director of scouting for Babcock Hoops. I work for Matt Babcock, who uh, he was an NBA agent for a long time, worked in a handful of places, um, bloodline runs throughout NBA front offices, and he nice. and Fran Fraschilla, Doc Martin, some of our other guys. Um, you know, we go around the country to practices, games. Uh, we have Jason Filippi covering international basketball overseas, and we we gather a lot of information that teams will call us for throughout the year. You know, front offices call Matt all the time, and after our trips, um, especially during the pre-draft process this year, when teams weren't allowed to get in front of people, we were able to go to the gyms. And we were able to travel and, and meet a lot of people and watch a lot of guys work out. So that's what we do. Uh, we try to get hands-on as much as we can and really just provide teams and, and anybody who wants it, quite frankly, with, with all the info we can gather. That's awesome. And we're very glad to have your insight today to help us navigate through a draft that was honestly in the back of our heads uh, up until literally this past week. We're like, oh, yeah, the draft. With that said, let's jump right into it because I know your time is short. But given the strangeness and uniqueness of this draft class, you know, considering all of the circumstances, I feel like I say this every year, but especially this year, is this the type of draft more so than usual where you can probably find some gems in the second round 
because the tiers after the lottery seem to kind of blend and plateau into each other a bit more. Yeah, this class, there's very, there's very few you know, potential stars in this draft. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a couple guys who have that ceiling, who have that kind of talent level. But what you're going to find is a lot of role players, um, a decent amount of future starters, but guys who can help you win big games and contend, but not as your first or second best player. What's interesting mm-hmm. about this class is, you know, I think the top seven or eight kind of guys in their tier alone are set together. I think the back end of the lottery tier is set. And then you have this next 20 to 40 or 45 where it wouldn't shock us if different people, like one team could value a guy at 20, and then we've heard another team value the same guy in the 40s. And mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy. It's all about, you know, what a team's going to want. The young guys or the young teams are going to look for uh, high ceiling guys and guys with upside to where teams like the Lakers and maybe even Toronto in the back of the first round, they're going to look for guys that can come in and play right now if that's what they want to keep their timeline as. So Mm -hmm. I think you're looking at a lot of starters, um, a lot of high-level role players, but depending on the timeline of the team's picking, I mean, the range is on this middle ground into the first Mm -hmm. early second. Guys could be going all over the place. Right, and given that everybody has had ample time to study these players for the last what, six months, essentially? It'll be interesting to see how particular teams tier these guys and what they value the most. And at least as far as the Lakers are concerned, this is the type of draft that I feel like they may be able to find some diamonds in the roughs in the later round or even into the second round because they may want to actually trade out of the first and preserve some cap space and maybe even a roster spot, but still want to develop a future player or prospect. So I think in that vein trading down into the second round do you think this is the type of draft that it would benefit the lakers to maybe you know find a team like the sixers with multiple second round picks or the sacramento kings and maybe trade number 28 for 34 and 36 with which the sixers have or 28 for number 35 and 43 which the kings have now i want to caveat things by saying the lakers don't have enough roster spots for all these guys. They may at most have one, and then the second guy may be a G League person that they turn into a two-way contract guy. But this may be a draft where they can, you know, cobble up a few more prospects for their future that may help them out down the line. But would that be a worthwhile prospect for the Lakers to do, do you think? I think it's going to come down to how long the Lakers think LeBron can keep them in contention year after year. Mm -hmm. If you think he's got four more years of of contending and him and AD possibly being paired together for the future if AD resigns there. Um, you know, I would go with a win now guy, a guy who's okay. going to give you role and spot minutes now. If the Lakers, you know, have internal discussions and it's, hey, we have one or two more years, we gave up a lot in that Anthony Davis deal as far as youth and, and planning for the future. Like maybe you do trust that you're going to get a veteran minimum guy to come in again and provide value next season and then you draft for future development and another piece you can build around. So I don't know which route they're going to go um, at different points in this process. I've heard either way. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's what is really going to come down to is when the Lakers front office looks at that timeline and gets with Braun and says, okay, like, do you want us to go get a better minimum guy to come in and give us 10 minutes a game, or do we need to look for that in a potential rookie? Right. And, you know, the Lakers – scouting staff in particular they've made their money sort of in this late first round early second you know with draft picks like Thomas Bryant, Taylor Horton Tucker, Josh Hart, Cal Kuzma etc and so I feel like they're right in their comfort zone and, and range that they'd like to be in but this year it is important to note that the Lakers could package this pick with another player to trade for a more established guy a la Oladipo or Derek Rose they'd have to make the pick first 
pick for the team they're trading with and then trade it away. But let's say a trade doesn't materialize on draft night. Who's a guy that you think the Lakers could pick at 28 that would, and this is a tough question to answer, but who's a guy that the Lakers could pick at 28 that would kind of most unanimously be accepted by a wider majority of teams so as to be the most trade versatile even after they've picked him? Because they are going to have to make that pick first. And likely if they want to get off of a contract like JaVale McGee, They'd have to wait for McGee to opt into that contract first and then attach whoever they picked along with him. So is there a particular prospect that's more like more widely accepted across teams, you think? Sure. If he's there, I think Tyrell Terry is a guy that over time, somebody like another organization can really value incredibly high and be willing to go get. Because Mm -hmm. Terry is one of these guys with you know, with a little bit of development in his body, which has already shown he's doing during this extended pre-draft process. Like, he's a guy that his shot is so good uh, that I could see another team making Terry the we, we need to go get him mm-hmm. guy in this class as far as a guard at the end of the first round. Um, I think, you know, right now, Desmond Bain, Isaiah Joe, Jordan Nora, Jay Scrub, those are all guys that I think could be enticing to other teams because we've heard them. We, we've heard them higher, we've heard them lower. So all it takes is that one team to want to go up and, and you know, really believe in somebody. But the thing that those four guys do really well is shoot. Mm-hmm. And the NBA is built around shooting. So if I'm the Lakers and I'm going to use this as a piece, I would draft a shooter. Because okay. after you get past Neesmith in the top, I mean, it's it's really Bain, Joe, and Nora in my mind as kind of the next the only three, at least at the end of the first, early second range of, all right, these are your snipers in this class. So I would, I would go with one of those because I think that's going to be their value moving forward. Gotcha. And yeah, let's, let's land on those prospects really quick and talk about shooting because I know the Lakers have actually interviewed Desmond Bain. Uh, they really like what he brings to the table. And just for the purposes of this podcast, could you also give us like shades of comp? I know it's, it's a lot easier for our listeners to digest if they've literally never heard of these people before. I know for Desmond Bain, his body's pretty impressive, very solidly built, very strong guy. And he just seems like a very fundamentally sound player that can help a ready-made team like the Lakers win now if they need to put him out there for like five, ten minutes at a time. Is there anybody that you can compare him to? I know he's like one of the best shooters in this class and every dribble seems to have intention behind it. He doesn't seem too crazy or out of control. He's 6'5", out of TCU. I got some maybe Wesley Matthews, Danny Green vibes from him, but I don't know if you can help us uh, flesh him out a little bit more as well. I think a Danny Green type role as a spot-up shooter on the perimeter um, is what you would draft him as if you're the Lakers mm-hmm. um, because that's what he's going to give you. Spot-up shooting, shooting off the dribble from three. We were just with him. Uh, I was just with him in Miami for a couple of days watching him work out with him and his agent Seth. And, I mean, I saw him hit 112, hit 113 shots in a five-minute shooting drill. Wow. I mean, the guy just doesn't miss. Um, he'll hit 20, 30 in a row, not a problem. He misses one. He's pissed off at himself. It's it's really impressive watching him shoot the ball. So he's a guy that, yeah, to that Danny Green role, I don't think he's nearly the defender that Green is. Okay. Um, in his upper body, he's fairly stiff. So why he is, like, very, very strong. He's in tremendous shape. He's pretty stiff. So getting around pick and rolls, I think that's going to be an issue at first. But, again, the way he develops his body, I'm not worried about that moving forward because I think he can improve it. Um, but, again, the role you're going to get from him is that spot-up three-point shooter who is probably going to hit him at a very high clip. Gotcha. And at this stage, I mean, I've seen him mocked maybe in the early 20s. Do you think he could fall at 28? And at that point, if he is there at 28, do you think he would probably be uh, one of the best picks the Lakers could get at that spot? I've heard some teams 
wanting to reach for him in the early 20s. Gotcha. I have been told that some teams anticipate him being there closer to 40. So, oh, again, okay. he's one of those guys that have very wide ranges, and it depends on how you want to use him. If mm-hmm. you believe that he can play on ball with the ball in his hand, you take him higher. And what I'll say that he has going for him, he's mature. He understands the game. I think you can play him in a few minutes next year. Uh, the run, like he, He's running in five-on-fives in Miami with NBA guys all the time. They love playing with him. So I think late 20s to first couple picks of the second round is likely where I think he'll go. And ultimately, I do think he'll be there on the table for the Lakers to at least discuss. Gotcha. So let's move on to Isaiah Joe, who I think may also be in that number 28 range into the second round. You know, 6'5", 6'10", wingspan, only shot 36% and 34% from three this year, but I know he shot 41% from three his freshman year and averaged 16 points a game. A lot of that's due probably to his role this past year. He is a high-volume shooter, shot 10.83 attempts a game. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Isaiah Joe being that shooter for the Lakers? I've kind of watched his tape, and um, he does have some defensive potential as well because of his length. Would he fit into this, you know, Wesley Matthews-type role? He seems to have the green light to shoot a lot, and in some ways he reminds me of Terrence Ross, but without the athleticism. And he also seems to like to shoot off the dribble. He seems to have a very adept a dribble pull-up game. So it seems like he has a little bit more upside than, you know, maybe what a Desmond Bain would give you, but Desmond Bain probably gives you the better floor. But what are your thoughts on Isaiah Joe? Yeah, and that's a good way of putting it. I think that Bain is likely a safer pick there if you need a guy to contribute immediately. But Joe's ability to shoot off the dribble with just extremely, extremely high volume. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, he's just a baller. He has really good feel on defense and he uses his length well. He's clogging up passing lanes. He's smart in his rotations. He's going to give you versatility on both ends. An interesting note about him came in a little shorter than a lot of people anticipated at the combine. Gotcha. Um, I don't think I'm allowed to say those numbers yet. He did not measure 6'5". I'll say that. Okay, gotcha. So it's definitely a number where you kind of stand back and say, okay, if he's only this tall, does that change how we look at him? Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, he played hurt all year and still chucked 10 threes a game. And that I just really buy moving forward. I think he's just, like you said, ultimate green light. Give him that as well at the NBA. Maybe not not early (laughs) as a rookie, ultimate green light. But eventually I think that can become his role for somebody. him and Bain, again, I think they're in the direct competition with each other there in the 20s because offensively you're going to get some pretty similar styles and roles at least immediately. I give the defensive edge a little bit to Joe, but again, another guy that for sure at 28 will, will be in discussion for the Lakers. Right. And if not them two, I feel like Tyrell Terry for sure will be in discussion at number 28. He's from Stanford, 6'2", scoring guard. Not really an advanced playmaker, but clearly a very pure shooter. Seems like a great competitor, high basketball IQ. In some ways, I see some shades of Seth Curry, maybe some Landry Shamit, shades of Trey Young and how he shoots from the outside and how he's built, very slight in frame. Although you mentioned he's filling out his body a lot more. I don't know if the Lakers necessarily, just because of his size, he seems more like a project to me than someone that they can bring in right now and be like, all right, just drain some threes for us immediately. And I, I don't know how, how you view him defensively if, if he's someone we could hide. I mean, he does have that, like I said, Seth Curry and DJ Augustine, guys like that, those sizes, they'd have to find ways to hide anyways. But does he have that shooting potential where, you know, it may pay off for you down the road? So Terry's really interesting. I wrote a long piece on him uh, that's up on Babcock Hoops on our website. He's not a pure point guard. He's not a shooting guard. He plays both really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily want him driving that offense as the as the one on my team because I don't think he's 
quite an elite passer yet uh, that I would let him handle the ball all the time. But at only 6'2", he's probably 170 pounds at this point. You know, he's a bit undersized to play the shooting guard position as well. But the thing is, is he can just shoot so well from everywhere on the floor. He just finds a way uh, to get the shots off in traffic with longer defenders on him, good body control, he's creative, he's crafty, and he's really smart. Arguably, he's probably the smartest kid in this class. Mm. Um, You know, definitely one of the smartest. Just incredible feel for the game. So I trust him to figure things out. I'm not going to look at Terry as a project, but what I think you may have to do is just be patient. Okay. You know, projects I view more as like, hey, these guys have all the raw athleticism in the world, but I just need to teach them how to play the game. Where Terry, it's all the skill is there. Mm -hmm. I just need to get his body ready. Yeah, no, I think you framed it perfectly right there. And I guess doing a quick tangent off of Terry, I think another similar player would be Malachi Flynn from San Diego State. He's 6'2 as well, kind of the same body build. I think as opposed to Terry, he's more of the uh, playmaking type, the pick and roll maestro. Very sound and solid with his dribbles. He's got a great pull-up jumper. Always seems very methodical and in control. His drives and uses of hezzies and simple crosses remind me a lot of Jeremy Lin at times, especially when he uh, splits double teams. He's DJ Augustine and Trey Burke in terms of size, but he also reminds me a little bit of Luke Ridenauer in terms of his like soundness and general command of the floor. Nothing too crazy flashy, but just a sound point guard that could eventually, you know, run your offense for you, essentially. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Malachi Flynn? If Flynn is on the board at 28, I think you have to take him. Okay. Unless there's somewhere, I think, unless there's somebody else where it just, hey, we have loved this kid from day one. We don't know how he fell. Like, if that if that player isn't there, Flynn would absolutely be my choice at 28. Okay. I think he's a guy that could come in and give you minutes at the point guard next season. Uh, pick and roll, he is an incredible pick and roll player. Incredibly smart, incredibly driven um, motivated like from within, which that is something that a lot of veteran teams are going to look for. Um, you know, he was undersized and underrated out of high school. His only offer was Pacific coming out, and then he had some real success as a senior, and Washington State came in and offered him. So he went there, decided ultimately to transfer to San Diego State, and absolutely dominated the Mountain West this mm. year. One player of the year. Uh, Matt and I were with him in Las Vegas for a while during this pre-draft. <clears throat> we wrote a piece on him on our site if you want to go read that. Uh, just he's so competitive and so focused like when he walks into the gym nothing else matters when he puts those shoes on you are not his friend he is there to beat you at whatever you're about to do and nice. that is all he cares about mm-hmm. um you know a lot of times that that ki- the killer instinct is just not there in, in all these guys anymore mm-hmm. a lot of them they're just best friends they're buddy buddy they're playing aau and eybl ball together flynn is a guy he's a killer he mm-hmm. walks in doesn't matter who on his team who's against him he wants to win and not only that, I think he can score. He's going to give you um, on-ball pesky defense. Again, not that big, but I think his competitive nature and physicality, uh, I think, will allow him to contribute at the NBA. And we are at Babcock Hoops. We're actually really, really high on Flynn. Okay. And yeah, I'm, I'm, it will be very interesting, exciting to see what he could do with pick and roll partners like an Anthony Davis. Last thing on, I guess, this point guard crop. Since we're talking about these guys, how would you? rank or I guess assess Trey Jones next to him out of Duke 6'3 the brother of Tyus Jones he's a little taller and more athletic than Tyus he defensively is obviously leaps and bounds better than Tyus Jones and that's what he's kind of been known for kind of reminded me of a little bit of Avery Bradley but with a little bit more playmaking or maybe Jarrett Jack with defense and these are like super high-end comps but yeah what are your thoughts on Trey Jones in comparison to, to Malachi 
So I think Jones is worth an early early to mid-second round pick. We're, I'm a little lower on him okay. than most because I worry about how he's going to score at the next level. I don't have any questions about his defense, uh, his basketball IQ, his competitive nature. Like I, I like all of those things about him. I worry about, as an offensive driver, is he himself going to put points on the board for you? Um, you know, If there's a situation where he doesn't have to, again, like the Lakers, then maybe it works. Because if sure. you have him come off the bench playing backup minutes and his role is just defend one of the best offensive the best offensive guard on the other team and just be a game manager on the offensive end i think he can excel in that role and that's why i think at the end of the first there are probably only a few teams that would look at him because with his offensive struggles a little bit of those numbers i don't see him as like a long term let's build our offense around this guy point guard in the mm-hmm. way i would terry gotcha. um, but again I, I like jones there 28 if the role is built for him to just play defense and be a game manager gotcha uh, last guy I want to talk about before we take it to break would be Cassius Winston along this crop of point guards. What are your thoughts on him out of Michigan State, 6'2 as well? Nifty playmaker, likes to throw these very quirky over-the-shoulder, over-the-head passes, dangerous in the pick-and-roll. Yeah, how would you kind of fit him into this group? So Winston is a really interesting one because there are some guys that like him in the 20s. There are some mm-hmm. people that don't like him at all. Okay. And it's it's interesting. And a lot of the people who don't like him, it's a lot of it's because of the lack of athleticism and lack of size. I think with the combine measurement, he measured under 6'1", um, really not that good of a vertical athlete, but the way he sees the floor and the way he passes, he's got eyes in the back of his head. He is a genius with the basketball. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't see a world where he slips crazy far because guys who understand the game that well and can process things that quickly, they don't come around all the time. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not in every draft. So. I could see him going in at the back end of the first. I could see him fall into the mid-second. Again, it's just going to be decide on, or it's going to be dependent upon, are the teams picking it while he's on the board? Are they looking for young guys to build around for the future? Or are they looking for somebody to come in right now? Gotcha. Um, I think for the Lakers, again, I think if he and Trey Jones are on the board, it's a discussion. And because of his maturity, the amount of minutes of high-level competitive basketball he's played, I think at that point I would actually probably go with Winston because okay. I think with those veterans on the floor, I think he's going to mesh better in that role early. Is it fair to say that you'd probably rank these guys, and obviously taking context out of here, but would it, is it safe to say you're going Malachi, Tyrell, Terry, Cassius, and Trey? Yes. Okay. And I believe, I believe that's actually how we have them on our mock draft. Oh, okay. That, we, up, that we updated on Monday, if I'm correct. Let's see. Yeah, we have Trey and Cassius very, very close together. Gotcha. We have Malachi at Miami. Um, at 20, and we have Terry to the Knicks at 27 right gotcha. now. So, yeah, it's pretty close. Okay, useful to know those tiers. Okay, we'll take it to break really quick, and when we come back, we'll close this episode out, talk about some wings and also some draft and stash prospects, which, you know, the Lakers should probably be looking at. All right, so we're back. Um, we've been, for the most part, talking about guards that the Lakers could pick at the number 28 spot, but especially given their roster construct right now, they have a lot of guards on their roster. Not a lot of guys 6'9 or, or taller. I mean, their best guys are at that spot with LeBron and Anthony Davis. But outside of that, it's really just Kyle Kuzma and then Markeith Morris, who we're not sure they're going to retain. So with that said, can you name some 3 and D prospects at this number 28 position that if they were at this spot or fell at this spot that the Lakers should probably probably take? And even if they, let's say, move down to like the number 35 or 40 spot, any prospects that would be in this range, I guess, 3 and D wings? Yeah, so Elijah Hughes, 
um, Robert Woodard and Jaden McDaniels, and also I'm gonna throw in Jordan Norris. Okay. Those are guys that I think would be entertaining at at 28. And again, those are all names that have been floated around the two Philly picks at 34 and 36 okay. as well. Uh, McDaniels, I don't see falling. I think if you're gonna get McDaniels, 28 would have to be it if he gets that far. But again, the other guys, if you move back, there's a pretty good chance they're still on the board. Let's quickly talk about Elijah Hughes. I really like him. Six six. 6'9 wingspan out of Syracuse. Only shot 34% from three, but he has such a smooth looking shot. He looks aesthetically pleasing on the court. Very fluid scorer. Nice handles. Really impressive off the dribble game. Also got a nice pull up jump shot off the bounce. Also got some solid playmaking skills. He's a fun athlete. Defensively, we're not sure because Syracuse played a lot of zone. But he reminds me, there are shades of some Karis Levert. Josh Howard in him. Yeah, what are your thoughts about him? And I guess for the Lakers, it's a little bit more of a question because we don't know how he is defensively, but I guess there is some offensive upside there. And at the very least, can he hold up as a three-point shooter? So I think if KCP is no longer a Laker going mm-hmm. into opening day next season, or if that's not the plan, I think Elijah Hughes would be a decent replacement for him. Okay. Um, Hughes, again, the efficiency was down. And a lot of guys are going to harp on that he didn't shoot the ball well. Look, look, Syracuse gave him no help at all. He was the bailout option on offense all year. Uh, he was constantly taking bad shots because he was forced to do that at the end of the shot clock because nobody else in Syracuse wanted to shoot. Um, but the intri- what's intriguing about him is that he gets his own shot and he can get it when he wants to. Like you said, he, he's a tremendous pull-up shooter. An isolation, he's very difficult to stay in front of. Get, get downhill very quickly and finish at the rim because of his athleticism and size. You know, he's a big kid. And again, a guy that can get his own buckets like that I just trust to be able to score at the next level. He also has some of the most legit NBA range as a shooter in this entire class. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to be a 10 threes a game guy like Joe is, but if Hughes is going to pull up from, you know, however far you, like however far behind the three-point line you want to say, I do not worry about the range whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So, again, I understand the hesitation of some who want to look at the college numbers and weren't very efficient, but I think Hughes, can, he can get his own, um, and I think it would be entertaining at 28 if – if a guy like KCP is not a part of the plan next season. Okay. Now, in comparison to Hughes, Robert Woodard, maybe stylistically or structurally, maybe a better fit for the Lakers, a 6'7", seven, 7'1", seven guy, or 7'1", wingspan guy out of Mississippi State. He's dynamic, explosive, seems to have a very strong build. He shot 43% from three on a low volume, hitting one a game on 2.3 attempts. I kind of liken him a little bit to Marvin Williams, a little bit of Brandon Clark in there. Do you see him being a potential three and D type prospect that can help immediately. So I look at him as the guy who is not going to be flashy, but you're going to realize how important he is once you take him off the floor. Mm. I liken it to, okay, so Portland in the playoffs, I want to say two or three years ago when they were running Alpha Rock Aminu and yeah. Mo Harkless mm. together and they were just shutting people down, but no one really knew, like it wasn't loud. It wasn't flashy. You know, no one knew. It's just that when they were taken off the floor, you look around and say, why are they giving up so many points? It's like, well, Harkless got taken off the floor. He's not defending their best player anymore. And that is what I think Woodard can become. He's not going to go out there and score a ton of points, but you're going to want him on the floor. And I think he can be a fantastic piece next to your best players or next to your stars that can provide good minutes on both ends. Because on offense, he doesn't think he's more than he is. Like some of these guys, you know, they're a four and they think, oh, I'm a th- I'm Kevin Durant. It's like, whoa, no, you're not. You know, Woodard knows his role and he's only going to do what you ask him to do. Uh, not an elite three-point shooter, but again, I think like the mechanics are good. He's used to hitting them at least with some kind of volume. So I think he'll be able to hit a decent amount at the next level, at least as a spot-up guy that you have to respect on offense. But the value for me is on defense. Gotcha. So out of Robert Woodard, 
Elijah Hughes, Jaden McDaniels. And I, I think Jaden McDaniels, you'd probably agree, is more of a high ceiling type prospect that may need a little bit more time to develop. But he does have that very lanky length and upside that you'd see from like a Jonathan Isaac or on the floor, an Alfarik Arminu, right? Out of those guys, and maybe I'll throw in Tyler Bay here as well, six seven, seven foot one guy. Reminds me a little bit of Brandon Clark and Sean Marion too. Out of these wings, Woodard, Bay, McDaniels, and Hughes, if they're all there at 28, who, do you, who would you suggest the Lakers go ahead and pick? If I'm the decision maker for the Lakers and our plan is we need to take somebody and we don't need them to play right now, but in three years we need this to pan out because we don't know what we're going to look like. Mm-hmm. I take McDaniels every okay. time. Okay. Obviously, there's a bust potential there. There are a lot of red flags. Well, red flag, we'll say major concerns. Mm-hmm. But the ceiling is so high. And if it clicks with him, I mean, you're going to have an absolute stud on your hands um, because he's so athletic, he's so long, can shoot from anywhere on the floor. Like He's just he's just a monster, but he has to get it to work. Okay. I think if I'm the Lakers at 28 and those guys are on the board, I would probably go Hughes, Bay, Woodard. Okay, gotcha. So let's quickly give me your thoughts on Bay then since we haven't touched on him. I think he broke the vertical record or something. He had a 43-inch vertical. I don't know how apt that is given the circumstances, but he's got great speed and athleticism, is a a bit of a bouncy athlete, doesn't really have any advanced moves, can't really create his own shot too well, but there's some potential there three-point-wise, but most of all, it's like the versatility on defense that I feel like intrigues me the most. Right, yeah, the versatility on defense is awesome. He is incredibly bouncy. Watching him do... Uh, run through drills and honestly just dunk all the time when we were in Las Vegas up close. I mean, it was special. Just he elevates so easy off of one foot, off of two feet. Like, it doesn't matter. And again, his length, he utilizes it so well. Steals, blocks, clogging passing lanes, denying passes. You know, he's, he's really good on the defensive end. Offensively, his shot from three is a little bit flat, but he hit it at a decent percentage. Again, not, the volume was not anything that makes me say, that's an NBA three-point shooter. But it, it was enough that I think, okay, you know, he's comfortable out there. I think Tyler is he's comfortable, and I think he wants to play on the perimeter at least a little bit. I think that's a little bit built into his mentality. So a guy that can roll to the rim and be a lob target, be an awesome help side defender, and also step out and hit the occasional mm-hmm. three-pointer, I think that's a recipe for success on a team who maybe needs to win in the next couple of years. Yeah, and that's where I, I draw the comparison a little bit to uh, Brandon Clark from last year. Um, okay, so to close this... And I, sh- yeah. and I will say, sorry, about Bay, if the Lakers won and they might have to take him at 28, he's interviewed with the uh, Raptors okay. who are picking right there around him. Okay. So that's why that range kind of makes sense for him. Okay, well, to close this show, I wanted to quickly talk about some draft and stash potential guys, which is a route that the Lakers might end up taking. If they want to keep a roster spot open and want to keep some cap space open as well, can you give me your best draft and stash international prospects in this 28 to like 40-ish range? I think Pokushevsky will be off the board. So the guy I would target at 28, if that's what you wanted to do, is Leandro Balmero, mm-hmm. a 6'7 point guard playing for FC Barcelona. Interesting note with him is the way his contract is built with his NBA buyout. So if he's taking uh-huh. the top 20, his buyout is really, really is significantly smaller, and he can come over sooner. If he's taken mm-hmm. after 20, the buyout raises quite a bit, like real significantly, okay. and he intends to stay overseas. So okay. if you get him at 28, it could be pretty good value. The thing there, There's talk of him slipping into the second round because in the second round contracts, you have freedom to negotiate your deals. Yeah. So at 28, locking in money... For a stash, I don't know if that's the best option. But for the sake of this, if there was one at 28 that I would pick in this spot, Balmero is that guy. 
Yeah, he's not a knockdown shooter, but he's a very savvy playmaker with size. Like you mentioned, 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, In some senses, he reminds me of Thomas Sadoransky a little bit of the Washington Wizards. And for the Lakers fans' sake, kind of like Luke Walton, very low-end version of it, where, you know, Luke was a 6'8", playmaking dude. I think Balmero is a little bit shiftier and has better dribbles and all that stuff. But in terms of the playmaking and high basketball IQ, that's where he reminds me of, of Luke a little bit. I had one other question to ask you in terms of uh, the... The international guys. What are your thoughts on Iboa? Paul Iboa, 6'8", 7'3", wingspan out of Cameroon, played for Italy last year. Obviously, people will dream up scenarios of Siakam. I know Embiid's also from Cameroon, but he's a long, lanky, very athletic, maybe a poor man's uh, Jaden McDaniels, but does he have some potential to be like an OG Ananubi someday? Or is he just like a Bruno Caboclo? So I actually look at, I think if he were to hit you're looking at a guy more like OG okay. when you have Abua here. Um, he's a guy that, as Matt and I have updated our mock drafts throughout the summer, he's in some, and then he's not in one. And then he's in one again, okay. and then he's not in one. He's right on that cusp. Um, if you know somebody takes him in the second round, they anticipate him hitting that ceiling and getting in him into the development system pretty quickly. Again, phenomenal athlete, big, strong kid. He's just really, really raw. Like the, He is where I would use the word project. Right. He's just not really refined at all. Um, but again, all the physical tools, like they are there. So it's definitely somebody that I could see a team taking and being like, hey, we're going to mold this kid into, into a terrific basketball player. Well, thank you so much, Derek, for joining us today. My last question is, you're on the clock at number 28. You're the Lakers. Who would you pick out of any of the guys we mentioned today or even just someone that you haven't mentioned yet? Oh, man. If I need a guy to come in and play right now, Elijah Hughes is probably the guy I'm going to target. Okay. Um, out of the two, if, if I'm playing the game, if I'm going to pick somebody, but I don't need them to play right now, I just want them for what they can become, it's McDaniels or Terry. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for your insight. Thank you so much for your time. I know it was a, a bit of a shotgun, round robin, quick draw. But yeah, if you want to plug anything really quick where people can find you in Babcock Hoops, please go ahead and do so. Yeah, uh, my Twitter is at DMurrayMBA. And from my account, you can find Babcock Hoops. You can find Matt Babcock's account as well. And again, we're always putting new draft stuff uh, stuff up there for you guys to see on our website and on Twitter. We're covering the draft here in about two weeks. So we'll be pumping a lot of stuff out. And again, Jonathan, thank you so much for having me on Absolutely. and thinking of me and, and always enjoy uh, t- talking basketball. Absolutely. Thank you. And we'll hopefully catch you again sometime soon. Yeah, anytime. See you on draft night.